Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live from Liverpool, the dark paranormal. Season 5 Hello everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal Season 5. I'm finally over coronavirus, I'm happy to report, and I'd like to thank each and every one of you who reached out to see how I was getting on and to send messages and well wishes. It really was very humbling. And today's show is a thank you. To you, the wonderful listeners of The Dark Paranormal. As today, we're going to do something which I hope to make more frequent in future seasons, and that's we're going to look at some listener stories which are a little bit shorter than the average 30-minute episode. Therefore, we're going to put two together in this one episode. The length of a story is not necessarily indicative of how truthful or terrifying the story is. Some of the most petrifying paranormal stories I've heard have literally only been a paragraph long. Far too short for a standard show, but terrifying enough to stick in my brain. So I hope today's episode shows that if you're sat on a story and you think it may be too short for the dark paranormal, send it in. It may well end up on the show. And you can send your stories in to the dark paranormal at hotmail.com Now of course, if you like The Dark Paranormal and you're willing to see the show continue you can sign up to our Patreon When you sign up, not only do you get these episodes days before everyone else you also get a Patreon-only show each and every week called Dark Bites We've really built a wonderful community of paranormal enthusiasts over there and we'd like to invite you over Head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal now of course i was ill last week and we have had a number of new members to our paranormal society over there at patreon that i need to say thank you to so before we get into our two-story episode a big thank you to our newest members they are sarah schroeder sarah petricelli irma sanchez sean kelly claudia rizzo kerry elizabeth janice ruiz jennifer leary jessica bonham Stefiana Guefos, Nick C, Brittany Jania, Kyle Creech, Pug the Panda, Kate, Emma Jane Ewing, Winston Francini, Philip Birchall, RXMS, Jill Lindsley, Angela, Sarah Holland, Nicola France, Caroline Fillingham, Elizabeth A. Tran, Brian Faulkner, Caitlin Westall, Kyra Lemus, Patrick Shorey, Captain Awesome, Jen McCauley, Nicole Augustin, Sherry West, and Brittany Stoll. Thank you so, so much, guys. I hope you enjoy all the extra content, the community, and the early releases. Why not join the team over at patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Now we've got all of the nice stuff out of the way, let's focus on why we're all here. To take a look into the darkness and see 
if anything looks back. One of the oldest tropes around the paranormal is the idea that children, untarnished by the rationality of adulthood, have the ability to see the other side. Today, especially in our first story, we find out, if it is indeed the case, just how damaging and dangerous this ability could be. So now, lower the lights, make yourself comfortable, and of course, leave your disbelief at the door as we take a look at our childhood demons. This is from Mary Grace. The question has often been posed by people who've never had an experience with the supernatural, wondering if ghosts or demons actually exist. As a religious person and a reader of the Christian Bible, I can answer the question with a solid yes, because Jesus himself battled demons and even mentioned ghosts several times in Scripture, one being, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, Luke 24:39. But it's my own face-to-face experience with a demon, which happened long before I was aware of any such thing as religion or ghosts and goblins, which allows me to be a witness of their existence. I'm an older woman now, with a grown family of my own, and this encounter changed my life, how I see and interpret the actions and events in the world, and to whom I pray for protection. There is an unseen evil raging against us as humans, an army which means us ill. But I can, more importantly, attest to the good news for us humans that there is also another army, a good army, according to Scripture, which was sent to protect us, and it outnumbers the bad two to one. However, the baddies do leave their mark. I don't talk about my own encounter much. I've found people who have seen the real deal rarely do. It invites the vapours of evil back into your space, to seep under your locked door, to seize your heart and imagination with fear, and doesn't like to leave once invited. So, even writing this, let's just say, I'm writing as quickly as I can, like walking as fast as I can down a darkened hallway. Seeing a ghost or a demon is not something to be wished for. I wouldn't wish it on my own worst enemy, or even the most avid of ghost hunters. I'd have given anything not to have seen it. This is my experience. Early in life, I was a very sad and lonely little girl. I was the youngest of five children, but my family was broken. I went back and forth between my mother and my father's houses after my parents divorced when I was six, and I rarely saw my siblings after that. My father had moved out of the house after the divorce was announced, but my older siblings went to stay with a rich uncle, and for some reason, which was never fully explained to me, my father took me, and only me. He moved into a two-bedroom apartment where I had one room, and my father had his room just down the hall. I remember having fun at this new place. I made friends. 
We even set off fireworks with the neighbouring kids in the parking lot of the apartments on the 4th of July. I believe it was a happy place for so many, so I think the attachment of the thing I would see had more to do with me being a vulnerable child than the place itself being haunted. My room was a simple one and sparsely decorated. I had a bed, a nightstand and a lamp. I remember the room had tall windows with standard tan, almost mustard yellow curtains that went from the floor to the ceiling. The windows faced a parking lot from which the light of a bright street light shone in and illuminated my curtains at night. My bed was on the opposite wall from the curtains and my nightstand, on which I set my lamp, was situated between the bed where I slept and the door which led out onto the hall. My dad's bedroom was next to mine, but his door was at the end of this long hallway. One night, which, from my recollection, was no different to any other night, I woke up with a start. I awakened, terrified, with a knot in my stomach. In the dark, as a small six-year-old girl, in my paralysing terror, I bravely reached out from the safety of my covers to turn on the light. When I turned on the light, I snapped my gaze with a start to the direction of my windows, and I was frozen in terror at what I was seeing. In front of the curtains, about a foot away from the end of my bed, stood what looked to me almost like a male leprechaun. But because of the terror in my heart, I knew it was something dark, menacing, evil. I say it looked like a leprechaun, but it's more of the description of his height and attire. He stood perhaps three foot tall. He, or rather it, was wearing a hat and some sort of velvet dark suit. I could not see below his knees, but I sensed he was standing up. His hands were just stiffly to his side. His energy towards me was very aggressive, like a wild dog hunting its prey. The light, which I thought was coming from the windows and my lamp, was actually emanating from him. To this day, I can't explain it. What has haunted me most through all of these decades, though, is his face. From under its dark hat was the face of a snarling man. The skin on its cheeks was pale but humanoid. He was smiling like he was trying to be friendly but didn't quite know how. His expression came across as a maniacal grimace, like an animal being held back on a leash, waiting to be released. It was his eyes that I have trouble describing, though, because even though they were where they were supposed to be on his face, they were not human. They stared wide, right at me, but at the same time, he was also looking slightly to my left, like he was looking past me. The eyes were intense on me, but not focused. They were gleaming and shiny, like wet dog's eyes that never stopped moving. I don't mean he was looking around. He was still and silent, but his eyes were like water and steam combined in a blackness that was focusing on me. This may sound odd, but in the animated movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit, when the bad guy 
played by Christopher Lloyd, takes off his glasses and his eyes go all crazy. Well, this thing's eyes had a similar effect, only black and on a smaller scale. What his face looked like was a clown. A scarier version, if you can even imagine this, of the clown in the movie Poltergeist. Only this clown was alive. Not plastic like in the movie. And it was standing in my room. I know why people hate clowns. Because, I believe, demons will try to take that form so that kids play with them. That's what I think this thing was trying to do with me. But for some reason, known only to God, I ran instead of inviting him to sit for tea. Thinking back, he seemed to be exerting an effort to appear as someone a child would want to play with. Like it was really hard for him to hold this form. Like he was a shapeshifter shoved into a doll, imitating a plaything for a child. The rest of my experience is from a child's memory, choppy yet fluid. I don't know how long I held his gaze. All I can remember is knowing I had to get to my dad's room to be safe. It felt like it was life or death. And in truth, I believe it was. I remember the courage that I had to muster through the sheer terror I was feeling. And I was truly cold sweat terrified by this thing's sudden appearance in my nice, safe bedroom. I felt no peace or friendliness from this thing, only fear. I knew I had to flee as fast as I could. I don't remember screaming, but I must have, because my dad was already standing at his door, waiting for me to run into it. I remember being afraid of what was chasing me down the hall and feeling it getting close to me, although it never actually touched me. I finally made it to my dad's room so I was safe. My dad let me sleep with him that night and I remember snuggling into his arms as I fell asleep as he said the Lord's Prayer. He never mentioned anything about it to me so I eventually thought it was just a bad dream. I never thought of it again and never mentioned it to anybody else. As a child going through life-changing moves, I had enough to think about and so I just put it out of my mind. I never saw that thing again. Years later, as adults, I reconnected with my brother. He and I talked a lot about life and he'd call to check on me every now and again as a good brother does. One day, for no particular reason, I brought up the childhood nightmare that I'd had. He listened intently as I talked. I was fully expecting him to say something like, Wow, crazy dream. Instead, he was silent on the other end of the phone and then said, That was no dream. My heart stopped and sweat broke out all over my body. I was confused. How could he know that it was no dream? How did he even know about it? He went on to tell me that our father had told him about it. My dad shared with my brother that a demon had visited me and it was the most terrified that he'd ever been in his life. He heard me running down the hall, screaming, and when he opened the door for me, he saw it. He saw that thing, exactly as I described it, chasing after me. 
My father, horrified, quickly pulled me into his room and slammed the door behind us and held me tightly in his arms as I slept, calling on God for protection. My father, being a Catholic, recited the Lord's Prayer all through the night until dawn. I was floored, but then I thought my brother may have just been playing a cruel joke on me and making up the part about my dad, since I'd just told him the full story. But he said, ask him. So I did. I called my father and asked if he remembered the night and before I could finish anything, he said, yes, and we aren't going to talk about it because it only invites it to you. I prayed to the Lord and he protected us. I had heard over the years that my oldest sister had an imaginary friend. She used to play with him and spent a lot of time with him until he started to tell her to do things that she didn't want to do. Once she started saying no, he stopped playing with her. It was around this time, I believe, he, her playmate, the thing in my room, came to visit me. I could never be sure if it was the same thing that she played with, because she and I have never spoke of it. We had a falling out before I'd put all the pieces together as an adult. Looking back over our lives, she'd always been open to the occult and the darker side of the spirit world. She always wanted to be everyone's auntie and to get close to all the kids and grandkids, have sleepovers, etc. I never let her babysit my kids. In contrast, I've always been drawn to the light and I'm very weary when children claim imaginary or invisible friends because I know there is much more there than meets the eye. There is nothing imaginary about these things. I took my children's concerns of bumps in the night seriously when they were of the age where these things tried to attach themselves because if it came after me, it'll try my kids my grandkids, and generations to come. The movie references that I've used here have helped me over time describe my experience to those I've trusted enough to tell. These visual effects terrified me when I first saw these films because I'd seen these images in what I thought to have been a dream. It also helped me to understand that the demons have no imagination. They use the same old ploy on all humans simply because they work. Hence creating what we think to be an archetype, but in reality, it's what they really look like. And, by the way, none of the potential retirement houses that I've looked at have had hallways, thankfully. Sincerely, Mary Grace. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wow. What an absolutely terrifying image that Mary paints during that story. I really appreciate it how she's used the movie references because it's something that we can all associate with. There's also a very interesting thing that we hear over and over again when talking about the dark side of the paranormal. And that's the idea that's mentioned by her father. That the more you discuss these things, the more you talk about them, the more you draw them to you. I occasionally can almost freak myself out sometimes when I sit back and add up the number of hours each week I spend looking at the paranormal. Because if there's any truth to that belief, well, there could be a big old receipt coming my way. But touch wood, that won't be the case. Our next true paranormal experience comes in from Hannah. Back in season three, You said something about how paranormal attachments might be so subtle that they escape our day-to-day notice. And that really struck a chord with me. I'll explain what I mean by that over the course of this story. When I was a small child, living with my parents in Greater London, the first place I ever called home was a very small apartment in a bland, unremarkable block of flats down a quiet maze of concrete footpaths. It was there that I had my first, and I think, most oddly memorable, experience of the paranormal. My dad went abroad on business trips reasonably frequently, so that night, it was just me and my mum alone in the flat. I never slept well, even as a small child, and was laying awake one night in the dark as I often did. After a while, my eye was drawn to the ceiling in the far corner of the room, straight ahead of my bed and just to the left. Something was appearing there, in the corner, where the walls met the ceiling. I don't even know how to describe it. It wasn't a figure. It wasn't even a mist or anything like that. It was like, just, shapes. I think it started out as a square then another square, then kind of built up upon itself. If you've ever seen a bismuth crystal, maybe think of something like that. Only it was deep 
pitch black. And then it just disappeared. Just gone. At the time, I think I was more fascinated than afraid, and I eventually went to sleep. My parents are believers in the supernatural. And when I say believers, I don't mean that they're interested in ghost stories. I mean that they believe in the supernatural absolutely, as though it were accepted and an undisputed part of day-to-day life. The strange thing is, my dad has a science degree, and he prides himself on his reasonable and logical scientific thinking. His belief in the supernatural never seemed, to him or me, at odds with his scientific mind. Both exist within him in harmony. I think he sees the supernatural as something science has yet to explain. And he's as fascinated by ghosts as he is anything else scientific. My point is, when I explained my mysterious sightings to my parents, I didn't feel uncomfortable in doing so. And, as expected, they did not mock or disbelieve me. It makes sense that you saw something, said my mum. That's the corner where I saw her once too. Her? I asked. An old lady, said my mum, matter-of-factly. She appeared one night, before you were born, when we first bought this place. She lingered in the corner there. She smiled sweetly at me and then floated up through the ceiling. Then she added, Actually, that corner is where I put your crib when you were born. I didn't even think about it at the time. But when your granddad would babysit you, He said that you would watch something in that corner, something he couldn't see, and you'd always smile and laugh. It always creeped him out, but I never thought the old lady meant any harm. I didn't really know what to think about that, and we actually moved out of that flat soon after, into a bigger place. In time, thought of the old lady and the strange shape in the corner went to the back of my mind. But paranormal experiences trailed after me into my adulthood. When I was in my early 20s, I got a job at a hotel. I won't name the hotel or its location, but it was a very old building. As you might expect, the hotel came with all sorts of scary ghost stories attached to it, though none of these stories were used as a marketing trick to attract ghost hunters. They were just stories that the staff told each other over lunch. Over the first few months, I heard most of the stories. Like my parents, I accepted many of the stories as true, and, on more than one occasion, some of the tales were even backed up by reports from fascinated guests as they described their experiences after an overnight stay. One night, I'd finished a late shift and was preparing to go home, but it was snowing pretty heavily and one of the nearby roads was closed. As the hotel had had some cancellations that night due to the weather, the manager suggested that I take one of the empty rooms, rather than driving home in a snowstorm late at night. I always kept a few toiletries and spare things in my car, just in case of emergencies. So I agreed and I took a room key. It was late and I was tired, so I pretty much went straight to sleep when I got up to the room. After a few hours... I woke up suddenly, hearing a sound like footsteps and creaking floorboards. 
I cursed what I assumed was a guest walking around in a room above me and closed my eyes trying to get back to sleep. A few moments later, the creaking and the footsteps had stopped and I started to relax. Then, suddenly, I heard another sound. Water. Pouring water right next to me. I jumped up in bed and turned the light on. The sound stopped the instant I turned the light on. But my bedside table was covered with water and it was dripping down onto the carpet. Baffled, I got out of bed, turned the main ceiling lights on and began to examine the room. I examined the ceiling for signs of a leak, but there was nothing. I even stood up on the bed and felt the ceiling and the walls with my hands, checking for wetness, but still nothing. There was no evidence of a leak or a drip from anywhere in the room. It was as though someone had just stood by me and emptied a glass of water over the table. To this day, I have no explanation. Strangely, I didn't feel any fear, just puzzlement. I went back to bed and back to sleep. When I tell friends about this, they all think I'm crazy. They tell me that they would have been out of that room as fast as their legs would go. They tell me that they would have gone to sleep in the car, despite the snow. Nobody can understand why I went back to sleep that night in that bed. Truthfully, I don't understand it either. Perhaps it was my dad's rational scientific voice in my head, telling me that there was some kind of explanation. Perhaps it was the fact that he and my mum had always spoken about the supernatural so calmly and openly that I felt no real fear. Whatever the reason, I left the room in the morning, feeling not much more than bafflement after the strange night. I reported the water leak to maintenance, thinking that they might find something to repair, but they never did. I personally never experienced anything else out of the ordinary at that hotel, and I left the job a few years later. Over time, I moved to the Midlands and settled there. By chance, an old friend of mine from school soon moved nearby for a job, and we agreed to meet up in a small town midway between our houses and have a catch-up. We decided to have a long chat over dinner and then go to the cinema to see the new release of a film that we'd both wanted to see. When we got to the front of the queue, in the busy restaurant, the host looked up at us and said, Table for three? My friend and I looked at each other and said, No, just the two of us. The host gave us a strange look and looked for our table. The restaurant was busy and we shrugged it off, thinking that the host must have assumed we were with one of the people behind us. We had a good long chat and then headed off to the cinema. It was late by now, and a weekday, so the cinema was pretty quiet. We walked up to the counter and asked for tickets. The lady looked up at us and said, Tickets for three. My friend and I looked at each other and then looked behind us. There was no one near us. No, just the two of us, we said, confused. Like the host at the restaurant, the lady looked at us oddly, then gave us two tickets and watched us walk away. That's the only time something like this has happened, but I've never forgotten it. A couple of years later, 
My parents suggested that I accompany them on a visit to an old manor house in the country. It was a big place with a lovely garden. And, naturally, it was supposed to be haunted. We went along in good humour, enjoying the garden on a hot summer day before heading into the haunted manor house itself. There were all kinds of stories about sightings of ghosts on one of the staircases and, of course, in the cellars. So down we went, wondering if we would catch sight of anything ghostly. We looked around, exploring all the rooms and even found ourselves alone in the dark and quiet cellars. But I saw nothing. Laughing, I said to my parents, <laughs> There's nothing down here at all. Hardly surprising. But my dad just looked at me. My intensely scientific dad looked at me long and hard and said in a strange voice, It's odd that you're not sensitive to ghosts. Not sensitive at all. He kind of shook his head and left the cellar. I stayed where I was for a moment or two, alone in the dark rooms. I looked around me, stared deep into all of the shadowy corners. Nothing. So, what had he seen? Over time, I've had a few strange things happen, but nothing like the events I've just described. Things that can barely be called experiences. In the first flat I ever bought myself, I awoke one morning to find my alarm clock had somehow been switched off. A little while later, I came home to find a couple of bits of wall art had fallen down. It was all stuff I could easily shrug off. Then, in the next place I bought, a small house, I was laying in bed one night when I heard a sudden, short sound right next to me. <sighs> my immediate thought it was sounded like somebody sharply blowing out a candle. It was that kind of deliberate puff of air. Just like at the hotel when I heard the sound of pouring water, I jumped up and turned on the light, but there was nothing there. The next day, I researched the area that the house was built on. Well, the house itself was no more than 30 years old, and to my knowledge, no one had died in it. But I read that the land itself had always been settled, and was in fact very ancient. But because the land had so long been settled, I couldn't really research anything specific about my house in particular, so I let it go. All throughout my life, I've had a vivid and unsettling recurring dream where I wander from a busy area such as a mall into a quiet, dark and neglected area such as a public toilet and find myself alone in the flickering light. I gradually find myself trapped and isolated with an intense feeling of being watched, though I never see anything or anyone else in these dreams. I always wake from them feeling disturbed and anxious, after a few years of these dreams and the strange events I've described in this story, I began to wonder if I did indeed have something, some spirit following me. Something that the host in the restaurant and the lady at the cinema had seen. Something that my dad could also see. Even when my dad's sister had visited us once, when I was living with my parents in a very old house, she described a dream she had to us where she accurately mentioned some of our house's long history with no prior knowledge. I was fascinated by her account of her dream 
and she said something similar to me that my dad had said that day at the manor house. That she was surprised I had no sensitivity for such things at all when it was right under my nose. Well, I now live in a fairly new house in the country with my husband. When we viewed it, I said at once that the house, lively, well-loved and filled with children as it was, had a lovely homely feel to it with no creepy vibes whatsoever. We've since moved in and began to decorate, and, laugh at me if you will, I have placed some protective crystals around the house to ward off any negative energies. Shortly after moving in, I had a very strange and very vivid dream. In the dream, my husband and I were standing in the kitchen of our new house by the back door. He and I were laying some kind of trail to and out of the open back door. It can't stay in the house, we were saying. It has to go. We waited and slowly something followed the trail that we'd laid out of the back door and into the garden. It was a tall, unkempt, shambling man, moving very slowly. As soon as it was out of the house, we slammed the door and watched it walk away. It crossed the garden and left by a gateway in the rear fence that isn't there in real life. I sighed with relief, but suddenly saw the figure's head pop up behind the fence and just stare. In the dream, my husband said, It's left the house, but it still watches. Then I woke up. I felt horrified. Well, that's my story. I don't know what to make of it. Did placing my crib on the site of my mum's ghostly sighting affect me in some way? Was the thing I saw in the same spot as a child some kind of portal? Did those things in some way awaken my paranormal experiences or subdue them? And am I being watched by something? If so, is it good, bad, or neither? Thank you for reading this account. Yours sincerely, Hannah. Thank you so much for sending in your true paranormal experience, Hannah. If you're listening to this show and you think, I could send my story in, my experience, email it in to thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. As we've established on this episode, length is not important. What is important is that we document and share your experiences within the dark paranormal. Thank you so much once again for choosing to spend your time with me here on this show. For Patreons, I'll speak to you on Sunday for another episode of Dark Bites. And for everyone else, I'll speak to you next week. Until then, don't forget, if you're discussing the paranormal, always leave your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time on The Dark Paranormal.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.